KYW Original Podcasts. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic in Philadelphia, subscribe to KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Coronavirus Pandemic from KYW In-Depth. Every day we hear about the dwindling supply of masks and other protective gear needed by healthcare workers who are treating COVID-19 patients. I wondered what it was like for the people who are trying to get this critical equipment to hospitals. So I contacted the Hospital and Health System Association of Pennsylvania. HAP has an emergency management team that works with the Department of Health to make sure the state is prepared for a crisis like a pandemic. HAP's team tracks supply and equipment levels at hospitals and health care facilities across the state, about 240 of them. Joe Tibbs is president of HAP Evolve. He's in charge of locating protective gear and getting it where it needs to go. Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Carol, it's a pleasure. So, first of all, tell me a little bit about Evolve. This is an offshoot of HAP, correct? That's correct. Um, and, and right now, it's, a, it's an all-hand-on-deck approach. So traditionally, I, I was brought on to provide additional support and services. Uh, we do a lot of consultative work for hospitals and healthcare systems, not just in Pennsylvania, but also across the country. And uh, originally, our, our, our strategy was, was try to define ways that we could help hospitals and healthcare systems improve their operations and become more efficient. But with this current crisis, uh, it's all hands on deck at HAP. So we, we've kind of repurposed and pivoted a little bit. And uh, now I find myself in, in more of a traditional supply chain role than I, once did, than I once was. Yeah, you've got a tough job. I would imagine your challenges are many right now. Uh, it's certainly an interesting time uh, to have any sort of uh, impact in healthcare supply chain. And, and, and at the same time, it's, it's also really nice to feel like there's something productive that, that I can kind of do and kind of provide some support to the caregivers who are on the front lines. So we've been hearing there's a shortage of uh, personal protective equipment or PPE. Why is there a shortage right now? Well, so Carol, I I think it's important to know that the the traditional healthcare supply chain is still working. Um, You know, factories that are, that have historically produced PPE are still running. Um, You know, suppliers who have traditionally sold to hospitals are still selling to hospitals. The challenge is we kind of are faced with this unprecedented demand. Um, Normal clinical practice that would, you know, require certain utilization of certain equipment um, has changed dramatically with the the introduction of COVID-19. And what we found is that it's just really, really difficult for those traditional supply chain channels to keep up with the increase in demand um, that this crisis has kind of faced, that has forced us to face. And can you talk about that, about about that demand and, um, you know, the impact it's having and, and why is that being challenged? What are the difficulties in getting this equipment out there? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So there's a, a couple of things that have happened. Um, you know, the healthcare supply chain is, is, is fairly complex. And specifically as it relates to personal protective equipment, there are domestic manufacturing organizations here in, in North America. Uh, and then there are also a significant amount of manufacturing that's, that's, that's offshore in China. And it's, it's kind of this, this really interesting um, situation where when the virus was originally discovered in China, a lot of that manufacturing capacity went offline as China was trying to deal with, with that situation there a couple of months ago. 
And, you know, it, it, the supply chain is anytime there's an interruption in the supply chain, it takes a little while for it to come out of the system. So we're finding ourselves in a position now where um, now that the United States is starting to, to address some of the, the impacts of um, COVID-19, the amount of supply that's being produced just isn't up to, to, to meet the demand. So today what hospitals are doing is they're still able to order from their traditional supply partners, um, but the amounts that they are able to order are much reduced over what they would actually need. So what we found is a lot of hospitals are identifying alternate strategies, you know, reducing their, you know, addressing some of their, their utilization efforts. They're trying to understand how can they you know, reduce the amount of supplies that they currently use, as well as you know, requesting donations from business and industry across Pennsylvania. And, and also um, just identifying alternate strategies that they could deploy to, to kind of keep in front of the supply chain curve. Can you give us an idea of the percentage of supply that hospitals lost, particularly when China kind of went offline? You know, that's a that's a really interesting question. I don't know if I can necessarily speak to that. Um, there's probably some some good data that that, that would be available Um and, and again, because of the, the interesting complexities with how the supply chain works, the things that we're doing today are very different than the things we did even four months ago. Um, so now our, all the transportation is largely air freight, and we're trying to get supplies here quicker. Um, so I don't know if I can actually speak to the, the amount that was offshore versus onshore. Okay. What I can say, Carol, is that you know, here domestically, you know, there's been a lot of really helpful things that are coming out. Um, 3M, I'm sure you're familiar with them, is, a, is one of the largest N95 manufacturers in the world. And they've ramped up their production by 400% here in North America. So, again, they're, they're trying to ramp up their production to try to meet this, this ongoing demand that we're facing. So what happens? I'm a hospital, and before this pandemic, I let's say I used 1,000 masks per week. I'm making up a number. Now with the pandemic, I'm using... 5,000 and my suppliers 3M and I say, okay, now I need 5,000 masks instead of 1,000. What, what does that trigger? What happens there? Am I just automatically shipped 5,000 masks? Um, so normally what happens, and I can't speak to the specifics, but I can speak sort of globally based on what's happened before. Um, what 3M does is they work with a large network of distribution partners. And rather than try to adjudicate um, and, and try to make sure that every one of their customers gets something. They'll they'll identify what the available supply is, and then they'll create some sort of allocation mechanism to make sure that everyone who places a order gets something. They might not get everything that they ordered. So if I were a hospital and I ordered 5,000 masks, I might not get the full 5,000 that I ordered, but I would certainly get something. Um, and that sort of helps preclude you know one large organization buying the entire supply so that everyone in the supply chain gets a part of what they might need or what they might order. Are you getting help from FEMA, from the federal government? Yeah, the, the HAP Emergency Preparedness Team, um, that's one of the areas where, where HAP has, has, for the past decade, worked really closely, is with the Department of Health. They've been managing all the emergency preparedness and emergency responses for healthcare in Pennsylvania. So there is a, a really robust process by which healthcare providers can escalate um, requests to their local county officials. And then the county escalates that to the state. And then the state can then um, escalate that up to FEMA as well. And I can't speak to the specifics as to what's going on with the state, but I have, um, there is some indication that there's a lot of conversation going back and forth and some assistance being provided from the national stockpile. 
Um, the president implied that he had to use his wartime powers to stop some companies from shipping PPE overseas. Um, is that happening? Can you can you comment on that? Have you seen that at all? I don't know if I can speak to that specifically. Um, I, I'm not sure what President Trump was referring to or, or what situations that he, he was articulating. So I can't really speak much to that. Okay, but you haven't you haven't faced that in your effort to kind of get this equipment where it needs to go. You haven't seen it being shipped overseas instead of used here? No, I mean, what I've seen is, um, especially in our partnership with the Pennsylvania Chamber of Business and Industry and working with PA Life Sciences and other uh, advocacy organizations, there has been um, a significant, especially with with companies that we've worked with, there's a a huge outpouring of support um, to the healthcare community right now. I think there's a recognition that this is not just a, a healthcare issue. This is an issue that's facing you know, every person who lives here. Um, this is this is not something that discriminates. It's something that's going to affect every one of us. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been pretty inspiring to see the response that we've been able to garner just in having some of those conversations. There are some medical students here in Philly. We have a couple groups who are um, raising donations, money, you know, monetary donations to go out and buy masks and other gear. And I'm wondering, how are they able to purchase masks and booties and gowns when hospitals are having problems doing that? Yeah. And Carol, I think that's a great question. And and what I will say is there, the traditional supply chain is still working, but it's, it's not meeting the demand that is out there. So what, what you're seeing with this organization and with other hospitals across the Commonwealth is there's these alternate atypical supply chain um, providers. And, you know, there's a huge amount of work. And, and one of the things that we're doing right now is trying to evaluate these atypical supply chains that have, have kind of come to light in the event of this uh, this crisis. So, you know, I, I, I suspect that there's, uh, you know, they're, they're doing the same kind of things that hospitals are doing in identifying alternate suppliers, alternate paths, alternate relationships, and bringing them in. And, and what a great thing. Um, what a great thing for these for these people to, to look at ways that they can give back. And I, I very much applaud that. And I, I think the one thing that, that is, is, is really fantastic is it's not just people who are, you know, raising funds to help provide PPE to hospitals. But the, the one thing that every single one of us can do is, is really kind of follow what the Department of Health and, and the, the governor has kind of articulated. Um, the, the, the biggest challenge that I think we face from a supply chain perspective is just demand spikes. And anything that we can do as a population to help you know, flatten the curve to make sure that our caregivers have as much time to to treat patients as they as they as they become sick, but also allow the supply chain to catch up. Um, if we can if we can stop the spread of coronavirus and make sure that the utilization goes down, um, that's going to allow the supply chain capacity to increase and make it so that you know the you know the, the needed supplies that are going to be necessary are, are going to be able to be available through normal supply chain partners. So staying home really does help and washing your hands. Staying, I mean, it's almost cliche at this point, isn't it? But staying home, washing your hands are just absolutely paramount to to the response right now. It's cliche, but we keep hearing it over and over again because the message, we also keep seeing stories where the message isn't quite getting out. And, you know, we see people at, at gatherings or playing soccer or basketball, those kinds of things. And I think you know, there there's that group of people who just doesn't think that perhaps they think they're not going to get it, but it really does matter. 
Yeah, and 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 it's 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 almost too easy, right? It seems too simple, um, but it really is fundamentally the one thing that we can do. And and this is unlike any crisis that we've certainly faced in my lifetime. Um, but you 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 can't see COVID nineteen. You can't see who's infected and who's not. And so the only way that we can get in front of this is practicing social distancing, washing our hands, and making sure that we are not part of the problem. From what we're hearing, cases are expected to surge in PA, especially here in southeastern PA, in the coming weeks. We haven't seen the worst of it yet. Are our hospitals prepared to handle that surge? I think the amount of preparation that that I've seen from a hospital community has been nothing short of inspiring. Um, So it's it's really hard to predict the future. Um, It's really hard to anticipate what is going to happen. But what I can say is that, you know, our hospital community is is up to the task. Um, Our caregivers are amazing. Our hospitals are amazing. And the one thing that we need is continuous help from our state and federal partners and and the public. I mean, hospitals, I think, will will be there 24-7. They'll treat everyone. They'll do um, the absolute best that they can. And the one thing that we can do is, you know, from a state and federal perspective, help with some of the funding necessities that are going to be coming out of this. Um, and also, again, someone cliche, Carol, but stay at home, help, help flatten that curve and give our, our health care providers and our hospitals a, a fighting chance. Joe, thank you so much for joining us here on In-Depth. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Thanks. Take care and be well. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic, or if you just want to know more than what you're hearing on the news right now, if you want to go a little deeper, if you want to know how this could change your life or your routine, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Carol McKenzie, and we'll have another episode out soon. 